Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. If you're visiting with us, uh, my name is Terry and one of the pastors here. And uh, let me uh, give a disclaimer for those of you that have been here for a while. You can recognize that my voice is a a little different today. And uh, so I'm struggling a little bit with my voice. So I'm going to keep it a little bit low, uh, a little Barry White-ish today. And uh, we're going to have the uh, bass guitarist come out in a little bit. That'll be a little later. Um, but in, in all seriousness, it'll be a little different today. I'm going to try my best to kind of get through. But I'm excited about the message today as we kick off um, Advent season, the Christmas story. And over the course of the next uh, four weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to walk through uh, some of the most important moments um, in this story and to really help all of us to prepare and to really think about um, what Christ has done and how he has really impacted our lives and why it is that we celebrate such an incredible day that is coming in just a few weeks. In order to share this, um, I'll just open up a little bit. I grew up in Chicago, Illinois when I was eight years, um, for about the first eight years of my life. And, and Christmas was very special to me. Uh, and, and I don't know if, if you're like my family, but I think Christmas is special because um, it really causes all of us to focus our energies onto one moment. Um, if you really think about it, there's, there's not a lot of times in our society where everyone is talking or moving to the same rhythm. And a majority of our community starting now is moving toward Christmas. You see it in our stores. You see it in our decorations. So it's magnified, which then brings the intensity to a different level, which causes memories to be more vivid, which causes moments to matter that much more with our kids and with our families. Christmas is important. And I think that's why in my mind, growing up in Chicago, one of my greatest memories was waking up in sub-zero temperatures and running to the front room. I don't know if you grew up when I did, but there was a front room. It usually had the furniture that was covered in plastic that you weren't allowed to take off and you couldn't sit on. I didn't understand that. And then it would have the windows that overlooked the front yard into the street. And I would run as a little boy over and I would draw back the, the curtains. And I couldn't wait to take my hand and to be able to wipe the fog off the window to be able to look at my front yard. And what I would see in my front yard was wonderful. Um, two things. Number one, I usually was there to wait for the pizza man because um, we were going to get pizza. But the second thing that I loved was looking at all of our Christmas lights on the front of our house. I loved them. I couldn't wait to help my dad string them and, and uh, kind of put them up. And uh, the one thing I'll never forget is, is we always had, there was usually only like one kind of Christmas light back then. It was usually big bulbs and they were all color, different colors of lights. And so everybody's kind of house looked the same. And I'll never forget when I was about eight years old, we were in Chicago and they started coming out with more different kinds of lights for the front of houses. And uh, I remember saying, oh, we've had different colored lights for so long. And I said, mom, can I have, you know, white lights? Can I have white lights for the house? And and I think because of economics, you know, my mom's like, no, we have all these lights. We're not changing our lights. And so the answer was no. Um, Well, our life took a drastic turn that year as my dad retired and we decided to pack up and move to Hollywood, Florida. And it was, it was exciting, but it was difficult for us kids because we had to leave all of our friends behind. And so we moved to Florida and uh, we were heading toward Christmas And I'll never forget my mom taking me out uh, and she took me to um, uh, Sears. And as we were at Sears, we were looking around for, you know, things. And my mom surprised me. She said, honey, 
look, those Christmas lights are on sale. Didn't you say you liked white lights? And I said, yeah, mom. And she says, what do you think if this Christmas we go ahead and we get some white lights for the house? Now, I just thought that was random, but you and I both know. My mom did that on purpose because she knew that it was going to be a a very different Christmas for us. And she wanted to bless us as kids. So I was so excited. I got home. I decorated. She let my my parents were crazy. I have a map and I have different outlets. I'm an an expert in exterior illumination. So you come to my house and I have a, a type A kind of plan. My parents didn't care. And so that they, well, they probably cared more than I thought, but they loved me more than they cared about their plan. I have a lesson to learn there. And so they would let me run into the front yard and decorate however I wanted to decorate. So it looked like Santa Claus threw up over the front yard, but it was great. It was great. But here's the point. Many of you know I lost my mom to cancer at the age of 15, and I would decorate every year, and Christmas was very special. And a little later, um, we became a different kind of family. We became a blended family. And I know many of you in here, you, you are a part of a blended family. And if you're a part of a blended family, you know that being a blended family is difficult at times. It's very, very hard at times um, to be able to merge traditions and holidays. And I'll never forget, um, in October, uh, my dad remarried. And we began this new adventure together. And it was going to be difficult because it was two different worlds colliding. I'll just be honest. It's a lot of those stories that you hear of time, at times. And I remember October and November being very, very rough months for obvious reasons. And then we got to Christmas. And I remember hanging on to hope. Okay, it's, it's not that bad. We're, it's Christmas time. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be better. We're going to get to the new year and everything's going to be great. And I'll never forget when we decided a day that we were all going to, as a family, decorate everything. And I remember I ran to the garage, and I was still, you know, older, but I was still a kid. And I grabbed the boxes out of the garage, and I was ready to do my plan. And I'll never forget when my stepmother at my time, my stepmother and I have a great relationship now, so I'm not, I'm not dissing her at all. She knows this. And I remember bringing the box out, and Christmas was very important to her. And so she brought out her box. And needless to say, there was a little bit of opinion making, but the bottom line is the white Christmas lights, they stayed in the box. And my stepmom didn't realize that those Christmas lights represented far more than decorations for a house. They represented my mom. They represented our family. And that Christmas, I have a vivid memory of really losing hope that we could be a family. And a lot of you are like, great, Terry, thanks for the story. Really picked me up. There's hope. If you're feeling a little like that this Christmas, maybe you're in a place where someone's encouraging you to say, I know this Christmas is going to be different. Maybe you're family members. Maybe you have, you're estranged. Maybe there's a situation where you find yourself thinking there's no hope. Um, I hope you lean in. Because the message today really leans into the reason why we have hope. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to a book called Luke. Um, and in Luke, you can follow along on the screen in just a second. Or if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. And we're going to begin this Christmas story in a different place um, by a man by the name of Zechariah. And Zechariah is a priest. And he really kicks off this Christmas story because you're going to see how John the Baptist who is uh, someone that we don't have time to unpack today, but John the Baptist is someone that is going to come before Jesus. And it really kicks off our Christmas story. And so we're going to walk through the story of how Zechariah is informed that his family is about to have a very different 
kind of season. Follow along with me. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. It says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Hang on to this for later. One day, Zechariah was serving in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. Pause. Let me give you a little background. It was customary for priests at this time to tend to the temple. Their job was to make sure that the lamps always were were being lit. Their job was to make sure everything was in line. And they had different groups of priests and they all had responsibilities and they all had two times a year they would be called to tend to the inner sanctum of the temple. But for one very blessed priest chosen by lot, Maybe once in their lifetime, they would have the opportunity to tend to the sanctuary of the temple, which is the holy place. And the job of this priest would be to go in and to offer up the prayers of all of the Hebrew people. And so it was a very special honor to be chosen as a priest to go into the sanctuary and to pray on behalf of God's people. Now, you might ask, well, Terry, what is he praying for? You have to understand this time. There's about 400 years of silence from God to his people that has been happening. And so I can just imagine God's people crying out to hear from God. God, we have these needs. God, we have these problems. God, we want to hear from you. God, if you're angry, we f- please forgive us. That was those type of prayers that were going to God. And there was an anticipation that maybe, just maybe one day, God would speak. So pay attention to the intensity here. Continuing on in verse 10. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying with them. Again, anticipation. Maybe, just maybe, God will speak. So, wow, Zechariah was in the sanctuary. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Now pause. Don't read this. If I'm Zechariah, angel of the Lord comes, I'd be a little freaked out. And then the angel of the Lord says, God's heard your prayer. In my mind, I would think in that moment, oh, I've been praying for God to speak to his people. I've been praying on behalf of all of God's people. Yes, thank you, Lord. 400 years of silence. You've broken the silence. This is incredible. I'm overwhelmed. I can't even think about it. Now pay attention to the next lines that the angel spoke. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you are to name him John. Now, 
Let's pause. And for some of you, you can go to sleep for the next 20 minutes if you'd like, because maybe this message is right here for you. Because here's the truth. If I'm Zechariah and I'm praying on behalf of all of God's people, I mean, I'm little old Zechariah. I got my own needs and problems, but there's bigger problems, God's people. And there, there is more important things for God to be focused on because God is a big God and I'm a little tiny peon. And God surely doesn't really care about my specific needs. And after 400 years of silence, God chooses to speak. And when he speaks, what does he answer and what prayer does he focus on? The individual finite prayer of one of the priests. If you're sitting in here today and maybe you're saying, you know, Terry, God doesn't care about me. God is far away. There, there's, I'm, I'm so distanced from God. God doesn't even want to look at me. You're wrong. Because God cares for the needs of every individual one of his children. If you're taking notes, write this down. God's silence in your life does not imply inactivity. God's silence in your life does not imply inactivity. If you're struggling much like Zechariah was and Elizabeth was, and maybe your prayer is like their prayer, his silence does not mean inactivity. He is at work in your life. Now, I don't know how that prayer ends up, and I don't know the answer to that prayer, but what I can tell you is God wants to be a part of every one of our individual lives this Christmas season. Continuing on. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah, repeating, God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. Now hold on to that for later because that's important. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. This is John the Baptist. And those of you that know the Bible, if you're new to Christianity, John the Baptist, he began a movement that ushered in who Jesus Christ, his mission and method would be. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Hold on to that. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Here's the truth. Zechariah is in there and all of a sudden he's got to be overwhelmed. Hey, you're going to be a dad. And not only are you going to be a dad, but the guy that you're going to be a father of, he's going to have an amazing mission and he's going to be blessed. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to usher in the Messiah, which Zechariah would know because obviously the prophets would speak of the coming of a Messiah. And so wait, 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 wait. you mean to tell me that my son is going to usher, he's going to be that special and everything else. He's got to be overwhelmed. Now, I want to take you to Zechariah's mindset because many of you are reading this story as a book and you're saying, that's pretty amazing. Zechariah, how blessed are you? That's awesome. But here's the truth. There are many of us, if you were in Zechariah's shoes where you were very old and your wife Elizabeth was very old, past the bearing of child age, if the angel of the Lord came and said, hey, Terry, you're old, you're, it's medically impossible for you to conceive and have a child with your bride, but you know what? You're going to have a son and he's going to be pretty special. The truth is in this room is that most of us would say, that's impossible. God, angel of the Lord, have you seen me? Maybe you don't know my wife. I mean, I love her, but she's way past her prime. I mean, just being honest. And if I'm Zechariah, I stand in this area, which I like to call the impossible. 
And I think during the holidays, all of us will lean to the impossible. No, no, no. With my eyes, it doesn't cut the mustard. With my eyes, there's no way it can happen. God, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's impossible. What I see will not happen. I don't care what you say. It's impossible. And I think what happens is many of us during the holiday season, we gravitate toward the impossible. And I like to believe where we lit the candle of hope over here is what God wants to do in all of our lives. And I call that the probable. Because with God, all things are possible. And so I do believe there are two struggles. There's the probable and there's the impossible. And in our humanness, we lean in the holidays over here to the impossible. If you're taking notes, write this down. The space between the impossible and the probable is called hope. And I think when we begin to lose hope during the holidays, we lean and we gravitate to the impossible. You and I both know Zechariah standing there had lost any kind of hope to ever be a father. And so he's looking at the angel saying, this can't be. Now, I want to show you something really neat, and I don't have time to unpack it totally. But again, to tie you into exactly how Zechariah would know that something special was going on. I want to draw your attention to this. I showed this earlier. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Now, this is really, really important because Zechariah would know the law and he would know what the prophets would say. And there was a prophet in the Old Testament named Malachi who spoke these exact words of this moment happening. And the angel used the exact words. So Zechariah would know Okay, I I don't think this is going to happen, but whoa, he just quoted the prophet Malachi. I know that maybe this is real. Now, with all that being said, if you and I were there in the presence, and you're going to want to wake up for this because you're going to want to see Zechariah's response. If you and I were Zechariah, what would you say? How would you respond? Think about it. Well, let me show you in this moment what Zechariah said to the angel of the Lord. Take a look. Zechariah said to the angel, wow. Praise God. Even though I'm old and look like a prune, God can do anything. I'm going to be a dad. That's uh, from Terry, chapter 4, verse 6. If you're, new, if you're new to Christianity, there's not a book of Terry, and no, that's not what Zechariah said. It's probably what a lot of us would have said. But what would your response be? Because I think we give Zechariah a bad rap. So let's see exactly what Zechariah did say to the angel of the Lord. He said this. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. In that moment, I believe Zechariah was in the middle of hope. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to be a dad? And all of a sudden, a glimmer of hope appears And he finds himself in between the impossible and the probable. And the angel of the Lord is telling him all this. And he wants to believe. And he's here in hope. But he's wrestling. And Zechariah's response leans to the impossible. He has a moment where he could say, I'm going to be a dad 
but your will be done. He has a moment where he can lean over to hope and trust that God is going to do the impossible and make it probable. But in his humanness, like you and I, he stood there, he analyzed himself, the situation, and from his perspective, this is impossible. And his response back to the angel was doubt. If you're taking notes, write this down. Doubt wrestles with faith between the impossible and the probable. Maybe God just might. Our faith, we take steps of faith to the probable. And then we go, but wait a minute, I'm old, she's old. There's no way we've been praying for so long. It's not going to happen. And we go back to the impossible. And we wrestle and we go back and forth. And many of you this holiday season, you're going to do the same. Wait, maybe, just maybe we can really have a great family meal. Maybe it'll happen. What am I thinking? Cousin Eddie's going to be there and he's going to blow the whole thing up. It's impossible. Well, you know what I'm talking about. You all have a Cousin Eddie at the dinner table. And, and hey, I know your moves. Because when dinner is called around the holidays, what do you do? You walk into the room and everybody kind of meanders a little. You're looking at the chairs because you're watching for Cousin Eddie. And you're waiting to see where Cousin Eddie sits because where are you sitting? Nowhere near Cousin Eddie. And then when Cousin Eddie sits, you race to the chair that you don't have to be near him and don't have to sit. Why is that? Because in your mind, you believe there is no way Cousin Eddie is going to have five cups of eggnog and it's going to be a disaster. That's a joke, by the way. You can laugh. And so many of you fall and you lean in the impossible. And so what's going to happen to Zechariah? Because Zechariah did what you and I do a lot and we lean to the impossible. So let's see what happens. In verse 21, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. I find it very ironic this morning that the day I lose my voice is the day I preach this message. I don't know what that says about me. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And so here is Zechariah. He doubts in the moment what God can do. And he loses his voice. Now that's very important because he's a priest. And as a priest, he's standing there. And he could have come out and said, let me tell you what God's going to do. And he couldn't. Let me tell you what God did in my life. And he couldn't. You don't believe in God. No, you don't understand what just happened. I saw it. And he couldn't say a word. And I think that happens to us as Christians. I say this all the time. Many of us, we pray for a changed world. Here's the truth. We have the power to change the world. And that power is very simple. If every believer in Jesus Christ actually lived a life by faith, we would change the world. Because the people who didn't believe in Jesus would look at us and say, why in the world are they believing that? Why in the world are they happy when they should be sad? Why in the world are they trusting when they should doubt? Why in the world do they have joy? Why do they have peace? And if all of us began to trust and wrestle with doubt and win with faith, we could change the world. 
But when we don't, and when we go to doubt, which moves us over to the impossible, and we begin acting like everyone else who doesn't believe in God, and when we start saying things like, yeah, you know, this holiday is going to be a disaster. Cousin Eddie's going to be around the table. It's going to be miserable. And when our friends look and say, it won't be that bad, and you say this, well, I guess miracles can happen. They know, like I know, you really don't believe it. And they know you've lost hope. And you know what they say? Wow, you're a Christian, Terry, and you've lost hope. And you don't really believe God can do anything. So what's the difference between me being a Christian and me being not? Because it doesn't sound like your God is that powerful after all. If you're taking notes, write this down. When doubt wins, your influence is lost. You want your family to grow closer in a relationship with an amazing Savior? Doubt will lead them astray. When doubt, excuse me, when influence is lost, hope is diminished. When they see you doubt, when they see you believe in the impossible, what makes you think they're going to believe and take steps of faith to hope? And so Zechariah, a priest, for months could not say one word about an incredible God who answered his prayer. His influence was lost. I'm wrapping up, but I want you to see the end of the story. So Elizabeth becomes pregnant, like the angel said. And the baby is born. Zechariah has not spoken a word since. No voice. And I want you to see what happens. Do you remember what the name of the baby was supposed to be? John. So pay attention very closely. When the baby was eight, eight days old, all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah. Now pause. You might not know this. If you have a Jewish friend, you probably do. In Jewish culture, even today, it's not law, but it's tradition that you are to name your children after a family member. And by doing so, you honor those that have walked before you. It could be a dad. It could be a grandma, it could be a grandpa, it could be a great-grandpa. But you do that to honor the legacy of your family. That was customary, it wasn't law, but it was like law. Imagine thousands of years ago, everybody named their kids after a family member. And so everybody's there, well, dad can't talk, we don't know what happened to him, but he can't talk. So, all right, Elizabeth, what are you going to name the baby? Zechariah, after his dad, assuming? But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? John? What name is John? You've got nobody in your family, John. You've got to be kidding me. There is no one at all in your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask, like charades. Hey, ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everybody's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Don't miss this. Zechariah was here, and with four words, he moved from the impossible to the probable. His name is John. I believe everything you said, God, 
You provided a miracle for my family. The impossible can be probable. And I want everybody to know. And what did God do? He gave him his voice back in that moment. What an incredible story. But here's the truth. There are many of us in this room that we want to believe in our families. We can see the impossible become the probable. But here's what we say right off the bat. Well, that was thousands of years ago. Well, that was in the Bible. Well, it was because it was John the Baptist. I mean, it's our family. And so we're not that special. God really doesn't care about us. And we go and the enemy loves when we go ahead and think and think and think and talk our way out of faith and hope and move with and impossible. And one life the enemy loves for us to do. All right, Terry, I'm going to leave today. And you know what? Maybe just maybe this Christmas won't be that bad. i got to be honest with you. I'm fearful of Christmas because I love my dad. And I'm fearful of those emotions. And I'm fearful for not being able to make the call a Christmas day. And that has me worried. And in those moments, I've got to be able to say, you know what, God, maybe, just maybe, maybe I can trust you. And maybe something special is going to happen this Christmas, and it won't be as bad as I thought it could be. The truth is, many of us think that it's an all or nothing, that if it's not perfect, if I don't do everything right, then I've failed. If you're taking notes, write this down. God doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he does expect progress. He doesn't expect you to have the perfect faith. He doesn't expect you to get everything right. But let me show you what God does expect all of us to do every day. Progress. Oh, I took a step back. Keep moving forward. Keep wrestling with doubt. Keep wrestling with your faith. Keep moving toward, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, God can do it. Last note and I'm done. Progress is the outward symbol of an inward hope. And today, we celebrate the hope that Christ brought into the world so that you wouldn't have to doubt or think of the impossible, but you could believe in the probable. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm... I believe in my spirit today, Lord, there are many individuals that want to dismiss the power of your spirit. And God, right now in this room, I I would ask, like Zechariah, that many people in this room would actually trust and believe in that you can cover the impossible. That just like you could allow a woman past childbearing age to bear a son, that you could speak through medical impossibilities, that you could even do it today. So what if, God, we actually put our arms up and said, God, we trust you. God, we believe that you can do all things. Would it change this Christmas? And would it bring us closer to hope? So Father, right now, as we're about to sing a song, that talks about your hope. I pray it would not just be words from our mouth, but that it would actually be a ministry from our heart and that we would trust and believe in it. We bless you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. 
If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.